Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Generic Video Game Podcast. Episode 24 is about to get underway. Thank you for taking the time out of your day amid these trying times as we endure an era with a president losing more support by the day than Sony's Vita. On the, on the brighter and less political side of things, you are once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside the queen of Zetai Ryoiki. Yes, even outdoing that of Colleen. It's the Dark Souls and Neo Savant, Molly. I, I, I love that you, you realized my reaction to what you just said <laughs> and how much trouble you might be in at some point later. Um, especially because I don't know, I don't know if you saw me on Twitter, but um, somebody had a not not very nice thing to say about the Vita today, so I'm not in a good mood when it comes to that. A certain, uh, well, I mean, I I had never heard of this developer before, but they made a comment. <laughs> well, um, I don't want to give my secrets away, but yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes when I do the uh, intros, I draw inspiration from recent uh, tweets to get the. Uh, uh, get the old noggin going. I'm just, I'm just, just saying, don't push it too far. <laughs> is what I'm saying today, because I'm not happy with people who don't like uh. the Vita. Boy, <clears throat> but I mean, I was, I was like, there were plenty of people on on that person on that on that developer's Facebook page that were not happy with them, and had some very choice words to <laughs> say to them. Oh well. You know, this is so. I'm just kind of shooting uh, from the hip uh, this evening here. Uh, we do have a bit of a format and outline. Once again, want to thank the Generic Video Game Podcast listeners joining us at radio.morningproject.com, as well as those who have us in their subscription on iTunes. Uh, want to thank you once again. Uh, and while we do have a few bullet points for tonight, uh, it might be a little bit more of a loose program, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been maybe not quite a month since we've last uh, recorded. I think we we've been talking a lot about Nintendo's Switch in recent episodes for good reason. Uh, we are now under one month away from that. But you know we're we're one month away, and I feel like and this was brought up by somebody else too. Is that there's a lot of things we still don't know. Like, do we know anything about the virtual console? I had a feeling you were going to go down that avenue, and I don't know where I saw this. It could have been complete bullcrap, and I don't know if the I don't know where I saw the rumor, but there was some sort of alleged rumor leak that we'll find out more about it a whopping two weeks before launch. But I don't. I mean, who knows? And and I mean, there was a talk coming out of Japan about the cost, uh, the yearly cost of the online. Yes. Which I think it was like two thousand to two thousand yen. Yeah, you figure which, between twenty five to thirty five bucks somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, really rough, somewhere like that. Um, and by the way, you know, it's it's not always the case, but for anybody, cause I I just think think about this because I saw recently videos. Um, I think it was the switch switch like reveal like reaction videos. Um, if you ever see a Japanese price and you just want to get a really quick idea of what that would be Western wise. Um, just take off like the two final numbers on, 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 on the two final digits on the number. So if it's like two, five, five, zero, zero, just assume like $255 or so. Right. Um, you know, right. it's, it's, I mean, it fluctuates, but it, it fluctuates close enough to the 100 to one that that will always be at least pretty close in telling you what the direct conversion would be. Right. Um, so yeah, so the talk would maybe like, yeah, like it's a 25, 35 a year. 
which I don't know how I think about that, but there's just uh, so, a lot of things we don't know. Right. So you figure at this point our guesstimation is half the price, so maybe twenty nine twenty nine ninety nine. I mean, somewhere in like, there. I feel, I feel like they're gonna try something like that. Like for me, I think, I think twenty is about my limit for what I would want to pay for this online stuff. Well, I think in all fairness, it won't start till the fall. I believe approximately it's going to be free right. up until then. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute skeleton between the spring and fall. And then, you know, not to, you know, not to keep bringing things down. I think it will be a fair price the first year, but you know how that's going to go. They're going to that'll get jacked up after you know, most likely after the first year. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and we need to see like, I mean, what are we getting with this for that money? Um, you know, how many players are actually playing online and things like that. Right. right. Like, we still don't really have a completely clear picture of, you know, what things can you only do through the app? What things can you do on the system itself? Right. So there's just like too much, too much there. And, and, you know, like you just said, it's more, they're not being nice and giving us like six months of free trial. It's that this is not done. Right. So they really can't get away with charging for it yet. Right. Well, I mean, I'll ha- I'll have a bit of perspective on, you know, I, it's so funny how I'm going to be the sucker. Like, I did not get Wii at launch. I did not get Wii U at launch. I waited, never got a Wii, waited about a year and a half on the Wii U, maybe a year. And I will be doing a day one on the Switch. Yeah. So I'll have some insight on that. I think my last day one was and well excluding their handhelds the last console was probably n64 but um yeah not not to go off on a rant on that we've been talking a lot about switch lately it'll be interesting to see how it develops in the final weeks and days coming up on launch i did see the latest trailer for arms today showcasing five characters um and i'll i'll kind of use that as a segue um nothing switch related but Fighting game related, you know, I've been kind of quiet on Street Fighter V and I've neglected it as of late. I know uh, Akuma released recently and, you know, Yurian was the last one on Season 1's pack. <clears throat> but it seems like there was a bit of an interesting character announced uh, recently to coincide with the Season 2 pass, which is now underway. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you because, um, you know, I was really getting Street Fighter and then Overwatch hit and just knocked me, you know... Right. on my butt like I wasn't expecting and, and then you know after that was something else after that was something else so I, I need to get back to Street Fighter I've, I've not really well I wouldn't want to play Kuma anyway but um, I haven't really tried him I haven't played this the cinematic story at all so I need to get back to it yeah and then we just got the reveal so she's um, she's got two names technically because she's in Street Fighter 5 and people know her as Helen in the game but her actual name is Colleen or Colleen uh, and she is the kind of secretary lady for for Gil from Street Fighter Three. So when Gil Gil comes out in his intro, there's like that kind of blonde lady that he comes out with. And that's 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 her. Oh, you know, I'm an idiot. I was, you know, who I was thinking of. Hmm. Oh, and you know, and that makes total sense. I'm, I was thinking of the girl that came out with Necro. Oh no 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 no! I don't remember her. I don't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about, though, right? Yep, yep. I wasn't even thinking straight. I could, you know, I don't even picture the one that was with Gil. Yeah, wow. so, I mean, like she was barely like, on screen. She. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is, and that's one of the things I think people aren't liking about her is that 
she had that kind of mature vice like style to her because she was mm-hmm. wearing a suit mm-hmm. um so people were kind of expecting her to have more of that kind of uh stance and style and things like that and then where she's like some people were saying she almost had like a zangief looking looking stance and stuff like that so um yeah so she's kind of like was originally that kind of business suit lady image but you just saw her very very briefly you know um just when when he came out i think because i don't think she actually came out for anything else like any kind of moves or anything right i mean it goes without saying i saw a little video clip of her today and i mean you know not to be repetitive but you know great animation has a great look like we've always been saying about street fighter 5 it's just been hindered by these uh you know how everything has been spread out but the game is certainly coming along yeah, and, I, uh, I I think she looks interesting. Um, you yeah. know, I I'm curious to see what her play style is because that's gonna be the big question. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this one of the first like ice users Street Fighter has ever? Yeah, heard? yeah. And you know, I saw someone on a random. I was doing like a Twitter search, but you know, there were comparisons between her and some of the you know King of Fighters characters from yesteryear, like around like Kula. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting how there have been a lot of parallels between some of the design with uh, some of the SF counter, you know, characters and SNK of the past. Well, her, but, uh, uh, and now I'm totally forgetting the, the official Street Fighter Five name. Her, her, you know, super. Um, it, it looks it looks very Kulai mm. when you see it. Kind of the <laughs> the big ice spears like coming up from the ground and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, amid uh, the console launch, Street Fighter Five, which is going on um, as we sit here in February, um, you know, a couple months removed from the holidays, you know, the games are still coming strong. So there's uh, there's still so many games coming. It's it's unbelievable. Like I mean, and we're gonna talk about. The, I'm gonna I'll give you the floor, so to speak, to talk about this more in a bit. But um, we have everything from the recently released Neo, the PlayStation 4 exclusive, uh, the Dark Souls-esque third-person action-adventure pull-your-hair-out title, new IP from uh, Team... It's still Team Ninja, right? Yep. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, later this month for anime fans and uh, Otaku, we've got Berserk coming out. Ironically, another uh, Tecmo Koi-published title. We have well. Now to be clear, uh, Neo was not Koei Tecmo published. Uh, I did not know that Sony published. It. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Almost like which a is Microsoft. which is okay. which is funny for some of us because you know the big thing was back in the day when Demon Souls came out. Um, it was this relatively unknown game from a developer who had some very very niche hits, but wasn't really well known beyond that. And Sony was the publisher of Demon's Souls in Japan, and they totally passed on the game on the American side. And then Atlas, of all people, which is it's it's so funny now to think about Atlas being the one to publish Demon's Souls when you know, you know where Dark Souls has gone and everything. Right. Um. <clears throat> so Atlas gave Demon's Souls a chance. It was this just weird Atlas. You know, because when you think of Atlas, you think of Persona and Shin Megami Tensei and things like that. So this was, this was one of those weird, like, side projects they do. But then people started realizing just how good of a game it was. And then later on, Tony would go on to say, 
<clears throat> that they made a huge mistake in not publishing that here in America. Mm. So it's in so that's kind of partially what led to Bloodborne is them going back to From Software and working together again to make a new <clears throat> series because they had screwed up on Demon Souls. And then so it's funny now for Sony to publish Neo, you know, because all that time ago they had no faith in the game that kind of helped Neo exist. So let me ask you this. I always have to be a businessman when we discuss things like this. So correct me if I'm wrong. If Sony published Neo and it was developed by Team Ninja, does that mean this is a project internally that was shown? Well, obviously it was announced almost a decade ago, but for sake of conversation, this game was shown internally. And is it one of those things that maybe Tech McCoy had the option to publish firsthand but didn't want to spend the money and then Sony stepped in and took it as an exclu- exclusive? I think... I can't- I can't remember the last time a Team Ninja game wasn't published. With the exception... Okay, I can hear people. With the exception of maybe Dead or Alive 3 or something like that, or Dead or Alive 4 on Xbox, not like... I'm assuming maybe Microsoft Game Studios did those because those were exclusive. But I guess maybe barring that relationship... uh, Yeah, I I can't think of... uh, I find that interesting. Well, I mean, because Neo originally started development in 2004. And it was a very, very different game at that point. Yeah, I always remember like that one piece of art they showed, and Itagaki was still yeah. with them. Yeah, he was still with them, and uh, Akira Kurosawa was actually the writer of the game, wow. or he was writing the basic the storyline. Kind of, I don't know if he writes the treatment or what he did, but he was kind of creating the story for it, and that just fell through. And so, I mean, I I think it's kind of like I don't know 100 percent that it's a Street Fighter Five situation. You know, where this game wouldn't have existed without Sony, but mm. I think it might have been a thing where Sony was looking for, you know, kind of more games to come to the PS4. Right. And Tecmo said, hey, we had this idea that we never used. You know, we can bring it back. And that's kind of where the conversation happened. Mm. Because, I mean, the, well, the thing too, though, <clears throat> on the other side of that is that in Japan, uh, Koi Tecmo does publish it. So it's not from oh, really? Sony. So thinking about that, it's probably more of a case of on the American side, you know, Koei Tecmo knew they were a smaller company and they didn't have as much kind of clout in the publishing side of things. So maybe they just wanted to work with Sony because they thought this was a game that deserved, you know, that, that kind of push that Sony could give it that, that Koei Tecmo couldn't give it. Right. So that might be the case too. Well, it's kind of interesting, you know, we've been picking on Sony the last couple of holiday seasons, uh, looking dry for exclusives, but as soon as first quarter hit this year, we've got everything from uh, Yakuza 0 to Gravity Rush 2 uh, to Neo, which are all readily available right now within the last uh, few weeks. Um, well, I'm just looking too at like the, the upcoming list, and so you mentioned like Berserk. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, the next not one... Jap- Go ahead. I'm sorry, the next one I was going to say was Guerrilla Games' uh, new IP Horizon, yeah. which looks... which. I don't want to jinx it, but it looks amazing. I was gonna say it's it's not it's not a Japanese game, but yeah, we have Horizon. Uh Atelier Fidis uh is March seventh and on March seventh as well we have Near. Oh yeah. And then we have Danganropa one two reloaded. Um Tokiden two. What about uh, the nonary games? The Those are, I think are a little bit later. Okay. I think I think that might be July. They ha- there's also uh, something that I had pre-ordered uh, the limited edition on the site a couple months ago. April 18th, I think, is um, the Silver Case. 
which uh, is yep, really, so, yep. really niche, but yeah. <clears throat> Silver case, we have uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5. Yes, yep. The New God Wars, we have, I mean, of course, Persona 5. Um, so there's like... That oh, is a hella stack. That is a legit stacked. Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is, is April 25th. Um, for anybody who cares, Occupus Beat is March 2nd. And there's also, of course, like a lot of little like smaller games in between all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> that's just like, I mean, uh, that's just some of like the things that are coming out just for PS4 only. Yeah, it's it it's funny because you know there were those times where you felt like, oh my god, the PS4 has no like you know exclusive games, and just this. I mean, the beginning of this year has been crazy. Yeah, if you like Japanese stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. Um, and before we get back into Neo, because I'm and for those who can't wait and um, want to do a little bit of reading while you listen to GVGP, check out egmnow.com as the official review for Neo has gone live as of a couple days ago. So uh, enjoy that as you're listening to this episode. Um, before we and get I, back, I'm not the Washington Post who everybody got pissed off at for their <laughs> review of Neo. Oh, I didn't see it. What did the, What did they say? <sighs> what did they get? I'll have to look and see what they gave it. But it's um. Yeah, there there were a few comments made in the review that just were crazy. Well, you know what I have to say to that? We consider the Washington Post here at the Generic Video Game Podcast to be fake news. <laughs> I was gonna say I like them. I like their news, like on the news side. But I think um, those are what we like to maybe. call alternative facts. Yes, alternative reviews. You know, we can never be wrong here at GVGP anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yes, it's, we're not wrong. We're just alternative. Um, they gave it a six six out of ten. Oh, and comparatively, in case anybody wants to have it spoiled, I gave it a nine out of ten. So, <laughs> yeah, they've they uh, just put the nine upside down accidentally. It was interesting because, like, I it was um, I think where it really hit home for me was when I finished the game. I realized I had an emotional attachment to it. Like I was, I was kind of sad that it was ending. I was sad that these characters were going away and things like that. Um, so it definitely, when I, when, where I was at when I started it, like when I started it, I was at this may be like an eight point kind of kind of position, um, which is still high, you know, especially for us because for we do actually consider five to be average. So I was like, yeah, I guess maybe give this an eight point. 8.0 but you know i don't know about past that and then when i was done i'm like man i really liked that more than i was thinking i was going to well i think you felt that way because the intro alone what i've been hearing what is it a little bit more than eight hours just in that first spot uh so yes i mean i was gonna talk about that um so oh. for any, you know for anybody who's and and yeah, because I'm going to talk about reviewers in a minute, um, but <laughs> but to actually pick on somebody a tiny bit real quick. So you know all the all the Souls games and and Bloodborne stuff have these kind of intro areas, and a lot of times they're like prisons specifically where your character is placed in the world, introduced to it, and then you are quickly introduced to the mechanics of the game so that you can survive what's going to come later. And then once you're through that introductory area, the boss, um, in Dark Souls, you don't have to beat that boss. You can, but you don't have to. And then you get moved on to the main world. So Neo has the same thing. And Polygon happened to mention 
I think I mentioned to, to Anthony that it took them eight hours to get through that intro area. And for anybody who's played Souls games, Neo's is basically the same kind of thing. <clears throat> the boss I think maybe isn't quite as hard as as a, a Souls first boss. So to take eight hours to get through that is is just I I don't even know what to say. Like I I don't I don't know how you even play that section for eight hours. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that. Not much because I haven't I haven't played it firsthand yet, and I don't own it. So this isn't one of those where I have the excuse of it sitting in the pile. It's it's not even in the stack of Doom. Uh, I do intend. I would like to try it out and pick it up at some point. But not to sound uh, like an idiot, as I am a bit familiar with, you know, Dark Souls and Bloodborne. So, obviously, Neo's a third-person action-adventure title. And, uh, you know, it has that samurai-esque, you know, classic Japanese-era, you know, look and feel to it. Would you consider the game itself just killing like monsters? Not not in a Dynasty Warriors-esque way, but would you? do you just consider it kind of like a killing spree through various monsters throughout the game and bosses or are there other elements of like more tr- like like vastly different areas or npcs you interact with what what would you say to that um i mean it, there's not as many npcs as like a souls game has um but it it you know it, it is very souls like in in how it plays it's very you know strategic you're kind of not just running forward and not, you know, paying attention and things like that. Um, you have to kind of watch what you're doing when it, you know, any, any monster, any, any creature, any foe, even the lowest ones, if you don't give them the respect they deserve and they can kill you. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the same with souls <clears throat> is I'll have times when, I'm rushing to get through a section because I had died previously and I'm trying to get back to my body to get my stuff back. And I'm thinking, oh, I can just rush through this, you know, and I'm not being careful and then I die again because of that. So it's one of those kind of games where you you kind of have to come at every fight really thinking about it. Um, so I wouldn't call it like a Dynasty Warriors thing because it's not kind of just mashing a button and attacking, but it is more like forward motion focused than a Dark Souls game is and that might not make sense to everybody, but it's kind of Dark Souls is a very defensive game where you know you take a swing or two and then kinda of get back and, and put your shield up if that's what you're playing. You know, you're not doing a lot of of push, 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 push aggression. Whereas, you know, From Software's Bloodborne did bring in more of that in the way that they made it so that you get health back by attacking. So they want to kind of you want they want you to be more of the offensive versus defensive, and that's the same thing as, as Neo is. It's more based around being an offensive kind of character. Hmm. Hmm. What do you? How does the combat? Because this is Team Ninja. Are there any parallels or similarities you can make between this combat wise and Ninja Gaiden? See, people say that, but I don't know because I mean I would, and I'm, I know they're not the same thing, but I think of a Ninja Gaiden like a thing of like a bayonetta. Yeah, I, I think know. that's pretty fair. <clears throat> and yeah. and there there's kind of so I guess you know in a like that kind of game you you start hitting an enemy and you can get them into kind of like a, a, a stasis kind of state where your attacks are are making them pause and then you can like juggle them and things like that. Whereas this Dark Souls and Neo aren't that kind of thing. It's where 
you only have a couple of good swings before your stamina is going to be run out. Mm, mm. And and as soon as you say your stamina is out, then your opponent's going to be able to swing back at you. And if you have no stamina, then you, you're going to have no ability to block or dodge or things like that. So it's not that kind of, you know, I, I think that a Ninja Gaiden is still a lot more action-y than this is. Mm. But this is more, a little more action-y and a little more offensive than like a Dark Souls is. But nowhere, I mean, people have been saying Ninja Gaiden, but I think that's just because it has, you know, ninjas and swords. Maybe and a little bit like more that of that it. art direction, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Art direction-wise, I can see, but not, like, gameplay-wise. Hmm. Um, I know I keep grilling you uh, on this title, but lastly, would you say, you know, it's from the way you describe this and then the Dark Souls games, and I know a lot of our listeners are big Dark Souls fans, by the way. You know, in some ways, it almost sounds very old school in terms of unforgiving challenge, but kind of pressing forward and, you know, getting that level of satisfaction from having the success of defeating tougher enemies and bosses and moving forward, but not like... It's not so much story heavy or story driven. It's just more about kind of patience and timing and skill. Well, this actually has much more story than Souls games do. Okay. Because I mean, like Souls games, like the first Dark Souls, I think if you take the entirety of the cutscenes, it's not even. I mean, it might be like a minute long. Wow. I mean, taking the intro out, you know. Right. Um, the actual in-game cutscenes because it did so much stuff just like in-game. You know, like while you're still playing, that mm-hmm. cutscenes weren't anything. But whereas this has cutscenes, this has characters talking to each other. This feels, like I said, in my review, there the story side feels very Koei of the Tecmo of the Koei Tecmo combination. Oh, okay, because this has that, uh, you know, historical Japanese feel to it that that Koei is so well known for, and it has those those. You know, historical characters where people don't know this. A lot of people don't know this, but even the main character, William, he was a real guy who existed. He was the first foreigner to ever become a samurai in Japan. So, you know, he existed and he was real. Every character you meet in this game, for the most part, like, existed. Maybe not in the positions that they exist in this game. Obviously not with, like, superpowers or fighting (laughs) or things like that, but um, you know, there is that connection to history, so... It has a story, and it's kind of cool because it has a very Koei-style story to it. Would, I'm going to sound like an idiot. Would you consider it like samurai-type? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I would consider, yeah, especially if you like like samurai movies and things like that. Like, this, it really feels something like that. I have to ask you the most random, stupid question because they love putting this character in classic Japanese, like whether it be anime or samurai showdown. Uh, <laughs> do they have a Jubei in, in there? They they don't have a. <sighs> Jubei. You know what? I feel like they did have a Jubei, but it wasn't Yagyu. Okay. They might have, but I will tell you that there absolutely is a Hattori Hanzo. Oh really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> he is he is one of the main characters. Wow. No kidding, huh? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, he he always has to exist in one way or another in a lot of this stuff. Hmm. Well, I guess to GVGP listeners in closing on this on Neil, what do you say? Obviously, your review, review is there. Um, you know, I always respect your reviews because you don't throw out high numbers like they're candy. So whenever there's a, a respectable number or high score, that's, you know, it's warranted when it comes from you. So, uh, you know, while you can be tough and critical, 
you know, when you're when you're nice and give those scores, they mean something. So uh, you, you would definitely give uh, the average GVGP listener uh, a thumbs up to go out and buy this. Yeah, I mean, I think I think literally the only problem I would say with buying it is, as we just said, there's so many good games already this year. Right. You know, I mean, because we we just we just got past Resident Evil Seven. Yep. Like you said, Gravity Rush Two. Yakuza um, other, Zero. You know, Yakuza Zero. Other stuff. There's like so many choices that. I'm not going to fault you if you don't go pick up Neo now because it's just you probably might not have money because right. of getting other games. But I definitely think if you like that kind of game or if you ever want to try Souls, but the kind of like fantasy setting never caught your eye, then try this because, you know, I'm comparing it to Souls, but it, it really does become its own game by the end. And also having... If it's literally nothing more than just Dark Souls with Samurai, that's actually a really cool idea. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, I said I I would. I'm really glad to have played it, and I would I would go out and buy it if I hadn't played it. If I if I knew what I knew, but I didn't own it and hadn't played it, I would go out and buy it. Wow. Well, now what are you uh, speaking of another Sony exclusive? Real quick, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Horizon? Do you know anything? Uh, that you're allowed to talk about, or I've watched a bunch of online and behind the scenes videos, which are out there in the wild. What are you thinking about uh, Horizons? So I, I think I, I think it's just what you said. It's just the fact that there's just too many games right now. Um, I want to play it, but I mean, I'm still trying to figure out when to play like Resident Evil Seven, for example. Right. You know, so there's gonna be so much that I need to get worked in because of you know playing things for work for review and then just free time you know, whatever I have left of that. So just figuring out how to play all this stuff. Actually, I can't, you know, I actually can speak on Resident Evil 7 a bit. I've got about four or five hours in. Have you played it? I I literally played like the the demo, you know, maybe like 10 minutes of the demo. Okay. That's it. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't want to say too much because I want want Molly to enjoy it when she plays it. And when it comes to uh, horror games, uh, you know, she's certainly the... uh, more of the expert not that i don't have any experience but i kind of feel like i'm more the action person and maybe a little bit more platforming and a little bit fighting these days but uh like there's something i want to say about it but i don't want to say it because i don't want to like spoil too much but i will say for the first few hours of this game at the very least i mean what i mean you know now it's to the point where i'm almost desensitized with this game in a sense like i'm used to it now but (laughs) I have to tell you, there was some stuff that I saw that I was like, wow, like just brutal, violent, just not afraid to show you certain graphic scenes without hiding anything. And at the same time, obviously, you know, that comes with the territory of, well, you know, people have always or not everyone, but people have complained that. Resident Evil isn't really scary anymore. It's not a horror title or, you know, and then you have other games out there like, you know, your Outlast and I don't know if I want to say Silent Hill because that series has been all over the place, but I don't know, even stuff like it's in a, like Fear or there's other ones out there or I, I even go all the way back to Condemned actually because there's some elements of this in terms of, yeah, okay, so I don't, I haven't read this anywhere, but I'm going to say this. The... Like some of the sounds and the harshness remind me of Condemned, but mind you, Condemned is a much is an older title. So obviously your right. visual your visuals and stuff are 
you know, far superior to that. But like, you know, I had feelings of like a combination of outlast and condemned. Um, you know, I always go back to this because, you know, I always say breakdown because of some of the things it did with the first person perspective. But, you know, arguments can be made that many of your FPS today, these days from Call of Duty to Killzone. But I get a combination of all those things. But it was certainly, you know, there were certainly some spots that, you know, very tension filled and gave me some scares. I couldn't imagine doing that on VR. Um, but I will also say that there comes a point in this game where, oh, you're like, oh, okay, it's, it's Resident Evil again, kind of, so it it does get back to that point. I, I want to talk more about that, and I got, I really have to stick to my guns and try and go through this, because I've, you know, I know the game isn't that long. And since you haven't played it yet, that buys me time. And then maybe I'll say a little bit more. Maybe we can do a little bit more spoiler-filled podcast about that title. But I will say at the very least, you know, many people, and I would concur, I guess, you know, this is the shot in the arm the series needed. You know, it had the cojones, so to speak, to have no fear and kind of try and reinvent itself again after what the series had done with the likes of 4, you know, to try and reinvent the wheel again um, was very gutsy. And it seems like, uh, you know, I would say they made the the right move. Now, I'm not saying I'm enjoying this. Like, I consider this completely apples and oranges to, like, Resident Evil 4. Like, Resident Evil 4, for me personally, is always going to be a 10. Mm-hmm. But, you know, while I'm not at that stage, like, I, I don't have those same feelings that I did playing RE4. It's a different type of game. And it's, I mean, it's it's getting a thumbs up so far. Well, what's interesting is, is so my coworker's playing it right now. Um, he's pretty far into it, I think. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, so does, 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 because he's really liking it. And he, he was saying like, this is actually scary, you know? Um, and I asked him, I'm like, well, does this make you want them to do Resident Evil 8 this way, you know, as well? And he was like, I, I don't know if it would work a second time. Yeah, because you've, I'm assuming he says that because now we've already seen it and seen the tricks they pulled out of their bag and they took that chance already. Right. Maybe whereas, eight, eight you would know, almost be like five to four. Yeah, whereas like, you know, Resident Evil 4 was different, but it right. also set up the series to continue on like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it seems like from what I took from his opinion was that he is, this might have to be like a one shot, you know, bring some, bring some fresh blood into the series, bring new life to it, but then maybe go back to the old way of doing things. I don't know. Like I, I, I said, I haven't played it, so I can't give my judgment on that yet, but hmm. that was his opinion was that he doesn't know if this will work a second time. Hmm. And I'm curious to see if that's what, you know, what other people think as well is like, do you, you know, do the people who have played it, do you think this can work again? Or was it going to have to be just like a one shot? Oh, I, I think it also needs to be said. I need to get this off my chest, too. I, it goes without saying that there was influence. Like PT influenced this. And what I, let me explain a little more like. PT came out 
made a splash with that demo. It was, you know, that unique perspective. And I, and I do remember your words. I remember your words were that, you know, PT really wasn't what the final game of that Silent Hill or whatever that was going to be was. This was like to maybe give you like an idea or the atmosphere or whatever. Right. But whatever whatever it is, whatever the case may have been for that, nonetheless, well, the only thing we saw with our own two eyes was that PT demo in first person, the atmosphere, whether that was completely different than what the end product was going to be, doesn't matter for this sake of conversation and point. I think what happened was, and it doesn't take a genius to figure this out, that whole thing got scrapped. People saw what they saw. It garnered a lot of attention. You can't tell me that Capcom didn't see that void that was there and take influence f- from that for at least a good, like, f- for the overarching aspect of this game. Well, okay, okay. So... No way. PT was revealed in E3 2015? Was it 15? I thought it was older, but now you're going to make me look because I knew you I knew you were going to throw up dates. I knew you were going to... I mean, and, and in all fair, and it's completely rightfully so. But now I'm going to look it up. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think because... Uh, so, so okay. So, because... Here, released for PS4 August 12, 2014. It was 2014. Wow, okay. Yep. I was going to say because I knew that, that 2016's VGAs was when Jeff Keighley said that Kojima couldn't be there. Because that was 2015 VGAs that Kojima wasn't there. I mean, that, that 2016 was making up for the fact that he wasn't there during the 15. <clears throat> so I was going to say, like, was it 15? But then 15 would have been the year when everything went wrong between them. Right. 2014. So, I mean, okay. So, so if, if, if no... Silent Hills, yeah. if Silent Hills gets canceled 2015. But everyone saw what they saw in 2014. Right, but but I guess what you're saying is is if you're saying this was kind of filling the hole. Uh, yeah, there's no way. Now I'm not saying this is as good. Like we don't know. Like PT could have gone on to be the greatest horror of all time, or maybe it could have been something totally different and flop. But whatever it was from that demo, whatever it was shown in my, I mean, it's really going to be tough to. Con- and I'm not like yelling at you. I'm speaking in general to everyone. You can't tell me upon playing this game that especially with the first-person perspective and the way certain things look, you can't tell me PT didn't influence that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, I'm just, like, thinking about if if PT influenced how much time they have development-wise right. sure. for That's that the, to matter. Like, yeah. like is, is the question, did PT literally make them say, oh, my God, we should make a Resident Evil like this? Or okay, let's, actually, let's say this. Were they, were they actually working on a first-person Resident Evil, and then PT might have influenced the direction of the, the horde they went in with it? Let's say, let me ask you this. Do you think this is enough time? Let's say that was summer 2014. Let's give it some time. Let's say Capcom didn't make that decision until six months after putting us into first quarter 2015. That gives them almost two years. But the, I guess my question then is, um, yes. And then also my, my curiosity is, when was Kitchen first shown? I think you said that was last year's E3. That was, I think, 15, June 2015. No, no, no. I don't think... Uh, yeah, so yeah, then I think it's 2015 E3. Or no, because it was it was from Japan first, was it? Or was it was it America first? Let's see. Let me see. Because even if they didn't have a lot of the game done, 
obviously at that point they would have had to know the direction that that Resident Evil 7 was going in. Unless, I mean, you know, unless we're making a, a linear path of PT gets revealed, Capcom's like, well, let's, let's play around with an idea like that. They make Kitchen. And then well, Silent yeah. Hill goes away. And then Capcom's like, oh my god, let's let's build Kitchen into a full Resident Evil game. I mean, that's like, that's, you know, you could possibly make that path, but allegedly this is according to wikipedia and as we know wikipedia is the be all end all yes uh of course development i think this is in correlation to re7 i typed in kitchen demo and then it brought me here it says development began around february 2014 now if this is truthful that puts us six months before the pt demo i believe but yeah it says, although connections to previous games in the series are present, the game features an entirely new cast built on a new engine, yada, yada, yada. Kawada explains that the decision to... Oh, let's see what it says. Kawada explained that the decision to make the game first person was made well before they thought about VR. Hmm. A year before the game's announcement, Capcom presented to attendance of E3 2015 a FPS uh, horror-themed VR demo called Kitchen, which ran on the same engine. While RE7 had been in development long before Kitchen, with the latter, the developers saw the opportunity to evaluate how the RE engine and its VR capabilities would be received by the public. Um, because cause, cause the, the, the idea is it, it Resident Evil 7 could have existed as a first-person game, but maybe it had been much more Resident Evil in style. And then the influence would have caused him to go down a like a more serious kind yeah. of sinister past, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a, I mean, that, that's the thing too. Like, you know, you think about like some of these kind of things where it's just there, these coincidences happen. Where you know we've seen with movies, right? Where two movies they're very very similar come out at the exact same time, right? right. Just because it happened to be that those two ideas were out there. You know, or there are times when one side gets insider knowledge of what yeah. the other team's doing. See, that's what I wonder. That what you said right there. That's what I wonder. But then I, I think, like, I mean, I, obviously, I don't think anybody would have known that PT was Silent Hills. But maybe Capcom found out that, or maybe it's the other way. You know, did Capcom find out that Konami was making some sort of first-person horror game? Right. Or did Kami find out Capcom was doing that, and that's when they gave the okay to Kojima to start working on Silent Hills? Right. Because there's there's nothing out there showing that there was any kind of level of development put into Silent Hills at that point. You know, like right. we, we've 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 seen no at this point leaks of any kind that I know of of any kind of you know. What was the game engine going to be like? What was the world going to be like? You know, what was the camera view going to be like? What was the overall story we've seen? All we knew is Norman Reedus was the main character, mm. and Del Toro was helping him work on it. So it could have been it could have been a case of PT actually came from Resident Evil Seven. You know? Yeah, what was the game? This is uh, oh, it was at E three, and it was is it was Max Payne and. Um... Oh my God! What was that Namco Bullet Time? Uh... Oh God! They, I remember that E3. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, 
And I think, if memory's not tricking me, I think Dead to Rights might have been first. But, you know, if I, I could be making this crap up. I think Dead to Rights was first. But when it was all said and done, I think Max Payne released first. Yeah, but this goes sim- this is similar to what we're saying. Like, you never know who... And I'm not saying they want to copy each other, but... Right. That was one of those games where it was like, what the hell? Like, Namco's doing this, and then Max... You know, with that bullet time effect or whatever... But yeah, going back to the FPS change up, the change up ball. But to be a- fair, to be fair, we did go through a period of having a number of first-person horror games on the on the kind of lower lower uh, development. Level yes, on the side. I get. Yes, I'll give you that on the Western side. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, definitely, it's very easy that both those games were just influenced from that. Yeah. So yeah, if I had to pick, I mean, Outlast or you know, if we take it back further, Fear, but. I, I got to say Outlast, Outlast had to play yeah. a role in there too, you know? What did you, I didn't, go, did you play Outlast? I hated it. Oh. <laughs> and then that, and that's why I was, that's why I've been so worried about playing Resident Evil Okay, no, I, I, I'm not like this. Why? Um, I hated those games. Why did you hate Outlast? Because it got to a point, because um, <clears throat> I played Outlast and I played, that other one, I always forget what it was. The one with Jessica Chobot in it. God, I forgot about that. Um, and then like another one too, I think. And they all kind of end up being the same thing. Is you're 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 always like carrying around this this cell phone in front of you, you know, mm-hmm. and having to like switch things in the cell phone what? to do different kind of scanning of the room and stuff like that. Was it and daylight? By the way, daylight. Okay. Yes, daylight. And you have no attacks, and so it's a lot of. It's a lot of having to run away from enemies, but you're in first person and the places are dark and it's hard to see what's what. So you haven't really gotten like a lay of the land. So it's hard to run away from enemies because you don't know where you're running to. And it's just like it, they just they just annoyed me more than anything. I don't know. I, I just I tried a number of those games and just, I hated every one of them. I don't know how. Um, hmm. You know, I'm going to argue that I think RE7 has a bit more action than those because a lot, well. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. At this point, I, I understand that RE7 does have more action. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I was worried about in the first place, which is because, like, I I personally have not played a first-person horror game that I thought was any good. But I will put an asterisk on that and say, like, I don't know that I consider Condemned to be a horror game. Mm-hmm. And what I played of Condemned seemed to be pretty good. Yeah, I just remember that. Am I correct in my memory in that? Because I haven't played it in years. That that game was just brutal, like with the crunches and sound effects. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was really harsh. I really got that feeling from RE7. I mean, man. I mean, just woo. But, um, but yeah, I figured to talk a little bit about that. It'll be interesting when uh, you sink your teeth into that a bit more. Um... Let's see. Not to, you know, we kind of alluded this to this earlier, I guess, before we forget. Um, I guess in a respectful uh, way. Or did, did you get everything out of your system on journalists and embargoes? No, no, no. I'm, I haven't okay. got started on that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot more to say on this than I will. But I'm assuming, if I understood you correctly, this stems from... When a copy, whether a copy of the game is out in the wild and or the official green light is given to review a title and then the embargo is lifted for it to go live online legally and officially, am I understanding correct in that you feel that 
some people may be lying in a sense, not completing a game where it's impossible to complete X title within the time frame given and when it uploads. And I want to be clear, I'm not calling any specific outlet or person Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. This is just, um, so, so we got, we, everybody, as far as I know, everybody got their copies of Neo on Friday, January 27th. And we got our copy around noon. So I'm assuming everybody got theirs at the same time. And the embargo for reviewing the game was the following Thursday at 12.01 a.m. So basically one minute after midnight Wednesday night. And my argument is that I don't know that I believe um, some or I don't know if I want to say a lot, but at least some of the reviews that went up for embargo. Now, because I'm an idiot here. So when did when did you get it? So we got it on Friday, and then when 20, and you and it 27th. was and it was uh, green lit to go up when on the following Thursday at twelve o one a.m. So you had about five five and a half days solid five five yeah yeah and so um. So let me let me start a different point before we get to that, actually, because mm-hmm. I think there's a few things that steps we need to go through to understand why I'm kind of suspicious of this. And the first is like, so, you know, what do media outlets do when a game comes in? Like, how, how do we determine who gets to review? And I kind of came up with like six different situations I think can happen. Um, and the first is that the game comes in and it's just absolutely randomly given to one of the staff members or perhaps just based on who is open at that point. Like, okay, you're your next person in line because your next person has an open slots, so you're getting this game. And we would all hope that would never happen at a at a you know, a media outlet. I'm sure it does somewhere, but I, you'd you'd hope it would not happen. Um you know, the next thing also would be we're gonna give a game to somebody who's totally new to the genre or to the game or the franchise. Right. And Typically, I would again say you'd hope that doesn't happen. It can happen, I think, in certain situations. And and I know people are going to say, well, Molly, the outlet you work for just gave Yakuza 0 to somebody who had never played Yakuza before. You know, aren't you aren't you contradicting yourself? Um, I think there are times when games purport themselves to be the chapter through which new fans should come into the series. And so situations like that, I think it's okay. But I think for the most part, you don't want somebody who hasn't ever touched a genre or even just a genre the game is in if they're going to review it. Um, then you have somebody who at least is knowledgeable about the genre and an outlet gets a game. So I, I've known outlets where you have like the sports person and the RPG person and the first person shooter person, you know. And I think that's still not the best way to do it, but I at least have a lot more faith in that than the kind of other ways you can go about it. Um, you you have somebody at an outlet who's generally interested in a game and wants to do a review. They're saying, I want to be the person who does the review. I think that's the point that you should at least be at, you know. Uh, and I know some people will say, well, it shouldn't be necessarily you wanting to do a review, you know, because then you might be biased for the game. Uh-huh. But I just don't believe that in part because I came up in, you know, quote unquote, like fanboy places like game fans. So I've always been on the side of you need people who care about a series in order to review it. 
and as much as possible. Um, then you have like what we do, where a game, we sit down with a game list, and we're like, okay, these are the games that come out in the next four months, and we discuss it, and we all decide kind of together who we think the best people would be for certain games. You know, we're going to list, okay, here's Persona 5. Well, Molly's going to be doing that because she's played all the Personas. She knows about them. She's a fan of Persona, fan of, you know, Shin Megami Tensei. She knows that stuff. She's the best person. Okay, this game's coming in. Well, this is for this person because it's the same thing, so on, you know. Um, and then finally, uh, you have the kind of expert at an outlet, not just on genres, but, you know, certain franchises and series and certain types of games like Japanese gaming or European gaming or whatever. So then, you know, you go through them. So the reason I'm going through all this is because the question should be, who is reviewing Neo? Like that was my big question. And there were three possibilities I thought of in you're going to have somebody who is a total newbie to that style of game. Never played Dark Souls, never played Bloodborne, maybe doesn't play this kind of games, period. You're going to have someone like Till Newbie like that. I don't think that kind of person reviewed this game. Because I think with the connection to Dark Souls, it's the kind of game where total newbies are going to be scared off from doing reviews. You know, like it's like if a, if a sports game came in and you asked me to review it. <laughs> Right. Like, I would be frightened of doing that because I would, like, I can't review Madden. You know, I don't know anything about the history of Madden series. I mean, I, the copy of Madden I owned was 93 on Genesis. Like, that's the one copy <laughs> I've owned. Um, so I don't think I have any told newbies. So I think it's going to either be people who are casual fans of the series or have casual interests in the series, or it's going to be the more hardcore or dedicated fans of dark souls right the, the souls games period so i think those people who, who are going to review this game at outlets yeah, your, your candy crush players or angry birds players aren't right. really going to be your yeah okay so here's the reason i'm saying that is that casual fans aren't going to rush through this game in part because they can't rush through it if you're a casual fan, if you are not used to this kind of stuff, you know, you're not going to have the skill level, the knowledge, the experience, all those things that you would need to rush through it. And we go back to the thing we mentioned earlier about Polygon taking eight hours to get to the intro section, you know, so the casual people who are doing the review are not going to rush it. But the other side, the Souls fans, I think are also not going to rush it. Because people like me, when they play a game like this, we take our time, we explore the areas, you know, because this has been taught to us and because we enjoy it. You know, we've, been, we've enjoyed it in past Souls games. We enjoyed it in Bloodborne. We know these are typically complex worlds with a lot of little hidden things that you find. And especially in Neo, you get a lot of, you get a lot more equipment than ever before. Um, and they all have these kind of different stats and stuff on them. So you're going to be wanting to you know, specialize in the equipment you're carrying and the, the weapons you're using and the armor you're wearing. And you're going to go through all that kind of stuff and you're going to you're gonna take the time to unlock the kind of shortcuts to make the path to the boss easier because, you know, it's a way to do things. So Souls fans aren't going to rush through it either. So I think 
both kinds of people who I assume are going to be reviewing Neo aren't rushing through it. Um, and we add to that the fact that games like Neo are the kind of games that you can't rush because you will just drive yourself crazy. You right. know, um, when I was playing, there was one boss I was fighting that I spent five hours on. And I did that in part because I got to the point that I know I should not get to where I was just like, I'm going to be- beat them. I'm going to beat them. I'm going to beat them. I sit here until I beat them. And that made me just more and more frustrated. <laughs> right. And that made me just do stupider and stupider things. Yeah, sometimes things. you need to take a break and come back with fresh yes. eyes with a clear head. And then you're right. like, oh, my God, how did I miss this? Right. Mm-hmm. So if so, if we get it on Friday around noon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that not everybody works from home. If you work from home, then you can maybe get installed in your machine right away. But even then, if you're working from home – Unless you're sitting there waiting for something to do, you're probably going to have other work that you're working on already. So you're probably going to finish up what you were doing. So I think you're not going to even start Neo until like the evening on that Friday. And we have to remember the fact that people need to write their review, right? And it's not a half hour process. Right. You know, I've, I've, I've written way too many reviews at this point to know the fact that you're always going to think, I'm just going to sit down and review and bang it out, and it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and, I, and right, while I have, I have like 0.0002% of the experience you do in that, I've done a handful of reviews in the past, and I, believe me, between rewrites or them suggesting certain stuff to be written, a certain, like not like lying, but like whether it should be corrected a certain way, yeah, it, like one article can take a hell of a lot longer than you expect. Right. So, so we're going to say you have – we're going by afternoons, Friday to Saturday afternoon, Saturday to Sunday, Sunday to Monday, Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday to Wednesday. By Wednesday afternoon, you have to be done because you have to have your review written, finished, put in the back end of a website, have it checked over, hopefully by somebody at some point along the line, you know, a, a copy editor, possibly get, get changes, things come back that you need to change. So I would I would say people had five full days to play and review neo okay um when when i beat the game and i beat it with about a fourth of the side content finished because at that point I, I had played enough along the way to get a feel for different things and to unlock certain items that i wanted but i was like i'm gonna beat it and then go back and do the other side content later um so getting to that point i beat the game at 67 hours and if you had five full I, days yeah. to get a review done, that's like tw- north of uh, twelve hours, thirteen hours a day. It's it's thirteen point four hours. You would have had to play every single day in order to get that review done in time. Can can I interrupt you? I, I, I like I enjoy listening to this. Can I play devil's advocate on something? Okay. Now I am totally with you. I swear to God. Okay. So this is just me. Being devil's advocate. Okay. Now, I know there's, and I know we went over that there's casual players, veterans, you don't want to rush it. And this doesn't justify, because there's more than one person that we're talking about their reviews. It's not just one specific person that's done this. But is it possible that a couple of those individuals that reviewed it, and I'm not trying to be funny, 
were like your pro gamer types and the the types that sit there in front of their monitor with a uh, fistful of rock stars and Red Bulls. And maybe while they didn't go at this pace the entirety of the five days, maybe pulled a couple 15, 20-hour shots? 100% possible. Um, but I would then add to that that having... <laughs> I, I would have killed this. myself after doing that. One. I mean, I'd be dead. I well, can't. I'm, but. I'd say having having seen the um, the skill level of some people in 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 this in this uh, line of work, um, I don't know how many pro gamers there are out there because <laughs> I've seen some really bad players. Uh, not mentioning any outlets or anything. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm not saying people can't have done that. I'm absolutely not saying people can't have done that, and. Um, I'm just saying that, in my opinion, from everything I know, right. everything I know about this kind of games, everything I know about having review, I, I reviewed, I didn't review Demon Souls, I reviewed Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3. So I've reviewed at least three of the the five from software games like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, I, then I've reviewed Neo. Just from knowing my thing, like, almost 13 and a half hours for five days straight of a game like this is brutal. That's murder. It's brutal. You know, I mean, I ended up taking, I I ended up beating it the following Tuesday. Oh, so you went, so the embargo got lifted at what, was Thursday? Yeah. So you did about three to four days on top of that before you were all set. Yeah. Wow. Because, just because I, I and I, I said this publicly, I'm like, I'm not going to rush to this game because right. I think it's unfair to myself and I think it's unfair to the game. I, I always think... When you rush a game, it's un- it's a little bit unfair doing a review. I mean, I know at times we have to do that, but you know, I I, I don't legitimately think any game, well, not any game, but a lot of games aren't meant to just sit down and play thirteen and a half hours for you know a week straight, unless you're like a teenager, you know, on some sure, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I, I think a lot of these games are meant to be more digested in a different way. Right. You know, because we're talking about games that, like, where a lot of people don't even ever beat them, period. hmm So I think 13 and a half hours, five days straight, that's... Because you think, I mean, you know, even working in... You know, I, I work in a job where one of my jobs is to review video games... But I still like from nine thirty to five thirty. I have like other things to do as well. You have a life. Well, I mean, no, no, no. I don't mean a life. <laughs> even even before that, I mean, just I have other oh. work. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just so yeah. I'm not I'm not sitting there the entire day doing nothing but playing the game to review it. Yeah, I'm assuming you've got phone calls to make, secure interviews. You do have to eat at some point. Uh, yeah. Whether it be team meetings, uh, traveling for interviews, Sh- yeah. So there's a whole multitude. And I mean, you think like, okay, so you think, what's you know, we like to all hope that we get like seven hours of sleep a night, maybe. Mm, I, I like nine, nine and a half, ten. No, I like I like more than seven, <laughs> way more than seven. But I'm saying like like yeah. what maybe an average would be. Sure. So, so, you, so you add that to thirteen and a half. Right. And that's what that's twenty and a half. Mm-hmm. That's. That only leaves you three and a half hours <laughs> in your entire day to do anything else, including eat three meals. Uh-huh. So I think it's BS at the idea that, and you know, and people are going to say, okay, Molly, you beat it in six, seven hours. That doesn't mean anybody took that long necessarily. But again, 
I've played enough of these games to, to, to have a good judgment of what of what a proper time is. Yeah, and you have to you know, figure, we're talking about a review here. It's not a race to the... Like, even if you could race it to the end and chop off a, a chunk of time, you know, is that, re- like you were saying, is that review fair because you're not getting the full experience of the title? Right. Yeah. Hmm. So I... Like I said, I'm, I didn't mean this to call anybody out, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is I think... This is one of the situations definitely where a review getting up by embargo makes me a little bit wary of it. But it's it's a problem, you know? I mean, it's a problem in this industry because, um, I mean, embargoes are, are, are a completely chaotic thing in the first place. And then on the reader side, you know, for good or bad, people don't want to wait. So my review going up, you know, um, let's see, Friday, Saturday, like five days later, even though I was hitting right when the game was just coming out, that still made me very, very late in terms of the online attitude of reading reviews. Like at that point, like people had read reviews and they were kind of sure. like done with that, you know, unless they were really, really caring about all opinions. Right. So there is this, there is this push to to want to be in that initial group as soon as they're hitting because you kind of feel like if you aren't, you're going to be kind of like looked over. But what I'm, the problem I'm saying is, is that because of that, I I don't know how many people actually beat it. And if they did beat it, I want to, I want to like see their schedule and know what they did. Because I, I just like, for me personally, even this isn't my job, like that's that's brutal to do. Cause that means you know, no seeing no seeing any loved ones, no going out for air, no playing with pets, no <laughs> you know, going to the store, no doing anything but just sitting there all day. Cause there were days when, you know, I'd get up in the morning and by eleven o'clock I would be started playing and I would finish at like one or two a.m. in the morning hmm. to catch up to catch up for the days when I didn't play as much. Right, right. And on a weekend too, it's like, like when you have a job like this. Like on the weekends, you really just want to like do anything but play video games. Sometimes, sure. The 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 closest I ever felt to that was when I used to work retail selling games, and it's ironic because you want to get into it because you love games, but then you get to a point sometimes where you get burnt out when you get home. <clears throat> you know, it's not always. Uh, what you want to do but the, uh, you know yeah. for myself not to change gears one thing i've always been guilty of even when i've had my slumps in gaming the one thing i've always done and i've never missed i always check the news sites like like even i'm not saying like i read everything but like i'm addicted to like i still obviously am passionate and love games but the one thing i won't miss like i may miss out on like not completing titles or uh you know th- doing a full-on review so to speak but i you know i'm addicted to always knowing what's going on in the industry mm-hmm. you know what i mean but um that i've never missed but yeah but don't think about that like this just thinking about like like because you sit down for half an hour yeah because i don't like i mean me personally like unless <clears throat> you know unless it's like a devil may cry or bayonetta or you know star fox or something or or an arcade classic like 
you know, for a game like that, I will get, I call it an old school feeling where when I was a kid or like I could sit in front of the TV most of the day, go to bed and I couldn't wait to wake up and continue playing. It is extremely, extremely rare, rare that a game does that for me these days. The last game I probably did that with, and it wasn't so, I mean, I loved the game, but it wasn't so much because the game was a 10 again. It was just I had to do it was probably Bayonetta 2. Mm-hmm. Where I had to get back to it the next day, and I had to knock it out. But, but even that, like, even that's like, I mean, you know, going in, Bayonetta probably like a twelve. Oh, I'm not even making that type of comparison. Oh hell right. yeah. Right. Oh, oh. But, but but no, I'm just what I'm saying is like, I think it's I think it's much easier yeah. to do those kind of sure. Um, yeah. No. This... At least at least you know at our adult ages, like it's it's easier to do this kind of like like hardcore gaming sessions. Sure. When you know. This is going to be like a two-day commitment. Right. Done. Yeah, I mean, games now are they're humongous. They're, they're, I mean, I know this isn't like a Grand Theft Auto, but your Grand Theft Autos, your Red Dead's like, it's like, Jesus Christ. But Well, um, no, I, it's it's funny because I'm, um, you know, I keep mentioning this, but uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which I started in Christmas of 2014, <laughs> that's still trying to get through, I'm, I'm at like, because I got to the point of, of wanting to do all the side quests, but I'm at 110 hours right now. And I feel like I have at least another thirty hours to go. Wow! And it's 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 kind of like, you know, I don't know. Like, part of me thinks, man, this is one of the greatest values I've ever had in gaming. You know, like like games like this or Persona or Dark Souls when it's like hundred plus hours. But at a certain point, I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I just want this to be done right. and just get past it and get on to something new because. As much as I love the fact that I have all that extra content, at some points it is just too much. Hey, hey! I don't know if this was clickbait or just a headline. I, you know, I did click it. And I, did you see the quote? And I think it was from one of the people on the team at Nintendo that they allege the new Zelda Breath of the Wild will be impossible to one hundred percent. I didn't see that. No, I'll have to find it again and see if that was bullcrap or not. But yeah. There was something alluding to that it, you wouldn't be able to like do absolutely everything in that game. But then you know, I mean, that goes uh, back to the thing I was saying earlier about like how most people don't beat games. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that statement a good? Thing I don't know. Then? I don't know. I, I yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I think we are getting to a point where just like there's so much bloat in games, mm-hmm. and like even like Neo, like. I think it's neat because Neo has that side content, but to me, it felt like I I'm not going to miss a lot if I don't play it when I'm going through the game, mm-hmm. and it can be there at later. I'm like, you know what? I love Neo. I'd love to go back to do something in it, and I can go back to it now. And oh, there's that mission I still hadn't completed, you know, and stuff like that. Like I, I think that kind of stuff is okay, but but like Dragon Age, it's just. I feel overwhelmed because for some reason I feel like I have to complete everything, <laughs> but there's just so much right. that it, it just, it feels, it starts to feel like a job instead of, instead of just, you know, a fun hobby. Right. Do you ever think to yourself when you're playing a game like Dragon Age or when you're going through that, are you just like, God, how do they even develop this? Like put all No, that- it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I don't, I, I can't fathom like how many, how much it takes you know, do this but then i mean you know the end goal which i okay, just i just saw this come out this week is what uh grand theft auto 5 has sold like 74 million copies is it that much now yes 
I can't, I mean, like, but that's like an, you know, unimaginable number in gaming. Yeah, that's 74 million copies. Yeah. I think that's what the number was, but it's like, like that, I guess, is like the, the, it's kind of thing where everybody's trying to hopefully get that at some point. And that's why, you know, Grand Theft Auto can make games that big because when you have that much money coming in <laughs> right. from your game, you can right. spend, you, you know, you can you can pay for a team that, that big. That's amazing. That's amazing. Hmm. Well, um, this is a little bit of a breaking it up. This won't take long and then we can get back on games directly. Uh, just a thought. I'm not saying I'm wanting to do this anytime soon. What are your thoughts on doing a video or Twitch based uh, generic video game podcast in the future? Um, I, I always get weird about videos. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm being uh, honest. I'm being honest. So I was talking to someone today, actually someone that, that I've at my work, actually, believe it or not. And it came up, but yeah, so I, I wrote it down as a little piece here just to bring up on the air to get your thoughts. Well, I think part of the problem, too, is just like I, I hate the kind of YouTube culture that's grown up around that or mm-hmm. the, like YouTube slash streamer culture where right. like you have to be like over reactionary to everything. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like that, you, you know? know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. And and I also like I was thinking about the day is like the, one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of um, streaming and stuff is because I tend to to certain games just go at a slower pace and like check out everything and do right. exploration and stuff. Right. And then I always feel like. I always feel pressure to to go faster in games if people <laughs> yeah. are watching because yeah. I'm worried they're, they're going to get bored. Right. But, you know, that said, um, when I was, you know, with my other podcast I do sometimes, the Smart Video Game Fan, we've done a few of the kind of marathon video things for that show. And those were fun, but that was the kind of thing where we could do it in kind of person. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, we're both sitting on a couch playing games together. Yeah. Um, so I think it works like that, but it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how well it works. Like just like, I just, as a streaming kind of thing, right. You know, one person streaming, playing games, like it's, I think it's like hard thing for me to do. Cause I don't have it in me to have that fakeness of the, the, <laughs> you know, 2017 video game streamer personality thing. Right. Well, I was just curious. I figured I'd uh, bring it up. I mean, I've I've dabbled with the I- idea and thought of it. I even thought, like, aside from GVGP, and this is just my laziness in my head, not doing it, but I've even thought of doing a little, some Twitch streams myself every now and then, but not so much even to play games, but more just to interact with uh I, I do think, fans. I mean, I think things, I do want to do more sometimes, like, not on a super regular basis, but at least sometimes. And I do want to get back, because I, I was doing a few of the videos where, like, I'd play the first hour of games yeah. to kind of show them off. yeah. Like, I like that idea just because I like the idea better. Like, I don't know that I want, like, does anybody really want to watch me play an entire game? Like, I don't know about that, but maybe at least with the first hour of stuff, that way, if there's a new, like, Japanese game that you've never heard of, I mean, not not you never heard of, but you don't know much about, and you want to see if it's any good or not, like, I think those kind of videos are good for that to at least help introduce these games to people. So, you know, I'm not just saying this, you know what I think you'd be good at, like if you were to do a stream to watch you play Hmm. Overwatch. I don't know. Like that's scary, though, because there's so many like really, really, really good. players. Well, and it's not even so much just to see like that you're the best. I'm just saying like I think that would be good for you for like 
a conversational piece or when interacting with uh, viewers, like, and it's yeah. something that kind of, you know what I mean? Like you can do it over and over and over, you know, you're going to win at least some matches. Um, I mean, I have thought like, I I think I've done like one or two streams for like Street Fighter Five. Yeah. I kind of would like to do more of those. That's a good one too. Yep. So hmm. maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah. People can people can tweet me if you want to actually watch me play Street Fighter. Yeah, we got yeah, and maybe some more fan mail. And I, I like interacting with the fans. I, we and... do have we do have fan mail today. Oh, so you do? I yes. Well, let's do I this. We'll do this. Is uh, not insignificant, but let's touch base on this rapidly and let's let's see what we got on fan mail. Uh, f- we got the PlayStation Four system update four point five zero coming up soon. The reason I'm mentioning it is because I'm personally excited. Finally, we're gonna get external uh, hard drive support. Yeah. Um. I'm in the beta, but I didn't get installed yet because I was kind of terrified of of installing it while I was playing Neo and then having it screw something up. <laughs> so I'm going to do that this weekend. Um, right. I don't I don't like the new notifications section. They dumbed it down for some weird reason, but I know people were excited about the external hard drive, so that's that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it says. Uh... And, and I mean, and, and my understanding is you can actually move a game to the external hard drive and then plug that drive into another PS4. Oh, really? And then I think as long as you're logged in, the game will work. Wow. I I believe it it will work like that, which is really cool. That would mean you could take your games to your friend's house very easily. Well, that's crazy. I have the <clears throat> excuse me. I have the list here in front of me, but um, but yeah, the most exciting thing uh, seems to be external hard drive support, USB three O and up. You can uh, put an external ranging anywhere from 250 gig all the way up to 8 terabyte. Um, let's see. Uh, Amazon had some good deals. It goes without saying. I actually picked up a 4 terabyte external recently nice. f- for about 110 bucks. <clears throat> Didn't think that was too bad. And then they've got stuff like you're being able to post animated g- uh, GIFs or GIFs uh, to activities and social applications. And you can do more stuff with the themes, with screenshots you take. The quick menu is now more user-friendly, allegedly. The other big thing for PlayStation VR users, it now supports Blu-ray 3D content. So uh, when do you think we're going to see this uh, update? You think it's going to be by the end of February? Um, I think it's... Uh, I feel like it's like a month usually. Yeah. Between the beta coming out and the actual full launch. <clears throat> I'm just waiting for changing my damn name. <laughs> I made that when like the PS3 came out, and that's forever. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really want to change my name. Yeah, day one, uh, whenever that was, no, October, November of 06 or 05. I can't even remember. 06. But... Um, with that being said, I'll do a round of plugs, and then we'll uh, we'll end it out with fan mail here. We're about the 80-minute mark here on GVGP24. Once again, uh, you already know this probably if you're subscribing to us, but nonetheless, check us out at radio.morningproject.com for the latest site uploads of our podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Search for Morning Radio. Find me on Twitter at 24BitAJE. That's the number two, the number four, B-I-T-A-J-E. Find my one and only co-host, Molly, at Molly Penn. That's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. Send some uh, kind words in correlation to the PlayStation Vita. She loves that. 
Yes. And uh, the official Twitter of EGM at EGM Now, just like it sounds, E-G-M-N-O-W. The official morning radio Twitter feed at Morn Radio. That's M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. And uh, hopefully in the near future, as we discussed earlier, you might see some more video uploads at Molly's YouTube channel. So uh, with that being said, thank you for listening. Uh, We've got another episode uh, winding down here. And one of my favorite things we do on the show every now and then is fan mail. So uh, what do we have in the bag? I was going to say real quick, it's funny that like, I've done three reviews so far this year, and all three were 9.0 or above. <laughs> That's how good of a year it's been so far. What were the, Oh, yeah. What, was this Gravity Rush 2? And then uh, Project Diva, Future Tone. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a heck of a year. Wow. Um, okay, so if you ever want to email us, we are gvgp at morningproject.com. And this comes from Aaron, who says, you know what? In spite of how frustrating it can be, I love, okay, I'm sorry. You know what? In spite of how frustrating it can be, I love about Nintendo. The tail does not wag the dog. For better or worse, Nintendo will Nintendo. This has alienated third-party publishers, has crazy pricing structures, and definitely limited revenue potential. But they have been the most consistent single producer of excellence in gaming for literally decades. With the decline of Japanese influence, they have been a rock. As companies chase fads and milk franchises to oblivion, Nintendo reinvents the wheel with both old IP and new. I could go on, but just want to highlight this in the midst of all the negativity responding to the recent Switch press conference that was terribly presented to Western audiences, I admit. Their greatest strength, like anyone or anything, is also their greatest weakness. Nintendo charging a premium price for Mario Run is another example of them redirecting the mobile business from the free-to-play race to the bottom, which has eroded gamers' expectations for price and quality in the hobby we love. My real question, I suppose, is, is it possible for game companies to be run as a business but still be loyal to their customer base? Has the gaming industry evolved to the point where creativity is stifled, for the most part, in favor of appeasing shareholders? <clears throat> in principle, I will happily support the big N as long as they continue to make amazing games across several genres. I'm honestly scared to think where the industry would go if they and companies like them die off in the face of Clash of Clans, Candy Crush, and iterated Call of Duty. Um, the attached video by Jim... I'm guessing Jim Sterling. Okay. Let's find out. It's got to be. Yes, Jim Sterling. Uh, highlights a greater issue in the industry. Execs who have no care for gaming as we know it make decisions that ultimately alienate fans. Um, illustrating my point later to the party with the vid, but it's worth watching regardless. So, I, I mean, here's the thing. And, you know, I, I infamously hated Mario 64, but. I think Mario 64 is a great game and I understand why people who love it love it. Like, right. So w- whenever I bitch about Nintendo, um, I have a lot of respect for Nintendo in terms of making games. I think my problem with them is, has been a lot of the time on the tech side, on the user interface side, on the online side, on Nintendo of America and their just terrible practices and bringing games over and the delays and things like that. 
Um, but in terms of them just actually making games, like I think they are easily one of the best game creators out there. Sure. And so I respect them for that. Sure. Uh, you know, said my problem has been that it's harder for me to enjoy their great games because of the other things they're doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot to take in on that uh, on that fan mail. First off, I want to thank Aaron. Uh, very well written and nice letter. Thank you. We appreciate those. Um, I'm just trying to think. There were some things I wanted to say on that, not just Nintendo specific, but in terms of... Um, oi, oi, oi. Um, there was a point that they were making about like not wanting to have like Clash of Clans or uh, about Nintendo instead of the race to the bottom with uh, free to play uh, in terms of uh, you know expressing the value in their titles and, and doing X, Y, and Z. But um, you know Nintendo does go by the beat of their own drum and and kind of echoing what you've said. You know there's no dispute and that there's still some of the best. Uh, you know, the makers of some of the best games, but there are so many other things business wise that are, it's, it's really challenging. And some of their decisions are, uh, you know, they, they induce head scratching yet at the same time when looking at Nintendo's history. And I know I've said this before, and I don't know if I'm getting the term correct because I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if it's a lateral development, but Nintendo has always been known. The company philosophy has been taking already, true and tried technology and utilizing that in ways that haven't hasn't been seen or done before which also is uh, cost effective so that's why you won't always see the latest and greatest tech out of them this is something that they've done all the way back from uh oh you're gonna have to help me out molly the light the the gun game the arcade unit which the one they converted and like made was it like popeye or then donkey kong but they've always been notorious for taking tech that's out there and reworking it. Even the processor, I dare say, in the original NES or Famicom dates back. I mean, that piece, uh, the chipset in there, dates back a couple years prior to when that actual unit came out. Hmm. So you can you can learn all this in a lot of, I guess this is an indirect plug, uh, in Retro Gamer out of the UK. And I've, I, if I knew this, if I knew this was coming up, I would have gotten a little bit more of my homework done on it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Um, and I mean, I I want I, I I said before I think I want to I want to be excited for the Switch. Yeah, because that's exactly what I wanted from them from a, mm-hmm. a home console. It's a home console. It's also their portable. Um, but like, okay, let me tell you my story today, and I don't want to completely. Oh, I, and not to be rude, I'm not being rude. Cutting you off. One of the it just hit me. One of the things was like you know I have has the gaming industry run out of ideas and whatnot. Okay, so I had two things to, two things to say. One, I was going to be a smartass and say, well, like Hollywood, that happened a hell of a long time ago. But I mean, and we know the deal behind that. But at the same time, and here's here, you know, bringing us back to Nintendo versus Sega, I hate to do this. But I think you and I both agree. I, I feel the most chances with games or the when you didn't know what was coming next. And you know what I'm going to say? That ended when the Dreamcast died. I'm going to say Dreamcast for me was one of the biggest. I have no idea what Sega's going to do next. And I love that. Uh, kind of kind of periods of time uh, uh, really quick here a game that has a sega feel to it and not just the sequel this goes back to the original well would you agree to me when playing this game you kind of get a sega feel from it gravity rush yeah no i i i think um there's a few games and gravity rush definitely was a game where i feel like 
had it been tech wise possible at the time, like I could have totally seen that be a Dreamcast game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that was one of the thoughts I had in my head that I couldn't think of, but yet continue with what you were going to say. Well, no, I was just going to say, and, and like I said, I'm not saying this is 100% true yet, but I'm I'm kind of going through a little bit of panic today because I, as of right now, can't find my new 3DS. The smaller, um, the holiday one? Yeah. And I have like 80 plus digital retail games on there. Oh my God. And... If I have lost it, those games are just gone forever. And so that's kind of, you know, that and my whole Wii U situation um, with the account stuff. Like, those are reasons I'm still very uh, unconvinced on the Switch. Because they Nintendo needs to prove to me that they know what they're doing finally and that kind of stuff. And then I will trust them more. Um, but that's been the thing. It's just like, it's, it's, it's stuff like that that keeps me from Nintendo, you know, more than I, more than I would be. I mean, even like, like, well, that and they won't give me a Metroid, you know, I, I don't care about Met, about Mario. I don't, you know, Zelda's whatever. When you say Metroid, you mean more in the vein of like a Super Metroid? Like not Other M and not Federation Force. Like a real Metroid. Just mm-hmm. a real Metroid in some way. Because I loved um, Metroid Prime. Uh-huh. You know, even like that's fine. But just give me a Metroid of some sort. Like remember that the character exists and and give her a game again. What, um, real back on your 3DS, real quick back on your 3DS situation. Hey, uh, have you backtracked all your steps? Do you remember where you had it last? Or? Well, the, I, I just found out today because the, the problem I have is, um, so I went to San Francisco about a week and a half ago or so Okay. for a business trip, and I took my 3DS with me. I put it in the little pocket in my laptop bag, and my memory is I, that I did not take it out since getting home, and... I looked at my bag today and it's not in there and I looked around first kind of cursory look and I have not found it yet. And so the problem that right now is like I I don't know where it would be if it's here. So I don't know where to start looking. I've never done this with a Nintendo product, but is there a way for you to check your account online like purchase history and see if anyone maybe maybe not spent money but have downloaded no. any free demos or anything? No. At least on 3DS. I mean, that might be a thing now. I don't even. I don't even know if Wii U had that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've never checked that with Nintendo. Obviously, I know with Sony and Microsoft. Like, if you sign into your online account, it'll show you like all of your like history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that the thing too. Is like, you know, if I lost my Vita tomorrow, then I would just um, deauthorize that Vita from the website and then redownload all my games to a new Vita. Damn. You know. But I'm not saying I lost it. But I'm saying is if I lost it, those possibly thousands of dollars worth of games are just gone. Damn. Hmm. And I will be sad. Well, I hope you find it. Please keep me posted. Uh, and also, Aaron, real quick. Um, and I, I don't want to do this today. Because I kind of feel like I actually would rather wait till we have the game. But... He wants us to talk about Near Automata. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I played the demo. Uh, in short, for now, did, did you play the demo? Yes. I, 
I, no, I'm, that's, my, that's my reaction. I, I mean, that's my I, reaction. I was too. really, yes. really surprised. Like, look, I'm a sucker for platinum titles. You know, it was action. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, the, the thing I always say is with the Bayonetta demo, I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. And then, and, but I wasn't like losing sleep over it. And then when the full game came out, I was like blown away, you know, with near, it's kind of the, uh, I don't know if I want to say it's the opposite. I just hope that the full game lives up to this demo because I was like, there were certain concepts and certain things that it was doing like real, like minute stuff that I was like, wow, integrating other types of shooters or genres intermixed with this third person action. It's got that sci-fi element. There seemed to be mechs. Uh, I love the constant shooting element, sword play. Uh, the camera work is really smart. Um, you know, just when you think you've seen it all, uh, it does little tricks like switching to like side perspective, almost a pseudo beat up feel, trying to give you that perfect camera shot and changing the whole feel of the game. Um, you know, you have elements of bullet hell shooter with top-down, temporary top-down perspective. I think the camera work, at least in the demo, has to be given a lot of credit. Um, especially at this age in the game where, you know, so much has been done and, and, you know, it's so tough to come up with new concepts on, you know, genres that have been done over and over. Now, mind you, the third person, the Devil May Cry Bayonetta genre has essentially been owned as of late by Kamiya and, and his cronies. But like we were saying earlier, we mentioned Ninja Gaiden, which I love. I've gone through the, uh, Ninja Gaiden one and two. Uh, talking more modern Eric's, you know, not talking about the NES classics. <clears throat> but yeah, Nier just really took me by surprise. And it like shot up towards the top of my list of terms of like a game that I will definitely go through. Because I'm a sucker for great action. I just didn't expect something this great. Um, yeah. It seems like it's almost like Platinum has their own competition for Bayonetta now in their own office. I mean, that, yeah, no, that's, it's funny. Like, it's, that's how I'm looking at it. Like the closest, like the competition for Bayonetta right now is like at the cubicle right over from them on near right now. Hopefully I'm not jinxing the fold, the fold game. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not here. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't like Metal Gear Rising. I know a lot of people did like Metal no, Gear Rising. I did, but by just the way. Yeah, I, I did, but yeah. Yeah, some, something about that game, like I just <clears throat> didn't care for, but, um, I loved, loved, loved Bayonetta. So I've kind of been hoping for the next kind of Bayonetta for them, from them. And, you know, this obviously isn't Bayonetta because it's doing different things and it's got a different style and stuff. But this to me feels like um, it might give me those same feelings of joy when playing it. Uh, I, I love the character. I love the kind of world. I think it's going to do some really weird things storytelling wise that has me excited. And the, uh, the music, the music's great. And you would consider the world what, like sci-fi, steampunk? Is that fair? I don't know if steampunk, but it's that kind of, it's that weird mix of like sci-fi and fantasy together. You, you know, it's certain, maybe it's certain color, the color palette in certain aspects of the the area. You know what it reminded me a bit of? Do you remember uh, Residents of Fate? Yes, I haven't played that yet. Yeah, they're just well, a little, yet, yeah, a, a little bit of that. But, uh, but yeah, uh, really exciting. You know, um, this, uh, this, it's very promising. So yeah, excited to play the full version of this. Yeah. And, and he says like, he wants to know, um, 
other games like this that we would recommend? So maybe we'll think about that on the next show. Uh, you know, one I would say, um, I guess it depends on the platforms that the this person owns. But you know, if you haven't played them yet, I don't think a lot. You know, a lot of people don't really mention them much anymore. But I'd say Ninja Gaiden Sigma on PlayStation Three or Ninja Gaiden Sigma yeah. Two. The original Sigma, I always say, in my opinion, I felt arguably the level design was better than Ninja Gaiden Sigma Two, whereas Two is a bit more straightforward. But what I did like about Sigma Two were the more varied environments, um, the weapons. And um, it, it was still a great game for what it was. I only so while I beat one and two, um, and I even did I think I did what was a black or whatever on Xbox, and I got to the very end boss on the original Ninja Gaiden two on three sixty, which was gorier by the way. Uh, Ninja Gaiden three I got in it cheap. I didn't buy that at launch due to the bad reviews, and I only dabbled in the third one. I got the thing for like seventeen bucks, and you know the tiny bit I played of it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't shit. So, you know, I can't give a full perspective on it because I didn't beat it. But, you know, it was one of those things where I was sorry I didn't buy it from the get-go when I know I would have had the bug in me to go right through it. But uh, I got that one for Peanuts. And uh, that wasn't too bad. I'm trying to see, like, what games I have on my PS4 right now. that like, Because, yeah, he's asking for, I guess, I think he wants, like, games that are more straightforward. So kind of not, like, open-worldy, but more, like, stage-wise. And you know what? I mean, that's what you want. I mean, it's not... It might be, you know, like we talk about Neo, and what's interesting about Neo is, unlike the Souls games, where they're more of an open world, you're exploring around kind of thing, Neo is all stage-based. Oh. Like, you have stage, 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 stage. Mm. So that actually might also be a good suggestion. Uh, I wouldn't say Last Guardian. That's kind no. of a different game. No, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. I'll tell you a great game if we're, if we're playing that game of uh, not quite the same genre, uh, and this is certainly more cutesy. Uh, the new Shantae. Yeah, I really like it. Like, from what I've played so far. Yeah, great looking title. Um, Yeah, I think those are a few good suggestions. It is interesting, like, how many games these days are more, uh, like, open worldy versus the linearity mm-hmm. we used to have. So it's almost to the point where I kind of. I kind of can appreciate games now that that are just like stage, 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 stage. <laughs> right. Because we have so few of that compared to what we used to have. Right. Um, too many fighting games here. Fighting games, fighting games. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good first selection. I'll I'll think about it too. What were you look? You were looking at your. Uh... I'm looking at my PS4 right now. Just like let me I'll let me scan real quick. Uh... But I think we can always like come back like next next time too. And give suggestions on stuff. Well, you know what? There's uh, DMC Definitive Edition. Yeah, I did see that. That's definitely too. Like, if you like that kind of, if you if you like near, you know, I mean, obviously you have Bayonetta and Metal Gear Rising if you haven't played those. But if you have played those too, like, I, it gets it gets some flack from from the hardcore like Devil May Cry fans. But I actually really liked DMC. Uh, I'm going to throw this one in here only because I'm looking at my list and it doesn't really answer this question directly, but i got to mention uh, Odin Sphere, Lathe for Seer. Yes, I need to pick that up. That is... Oh, you don't have that yet? No. I, I have the original Odin Sphere on PS2, but... Ooh, someone's birthday is coming up, too. <laughs> um, What else? Yeah, I think I'll, I'm just looking down this list. Oh, Transformers Devastation. Yeah, I haven't played that yet. That, that. That's, also, that's, that's also platinum, so, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think those are the big ones, just looking at the uh, PS4 list, so. 
so it's a yeah. few suggestions. I mean, there's stuff for other platforms too. I'm trying to think like what the big stuff on Xbox <clears throat> One would be. I'd have to check my Xbox and see. I don't think. Uh, let me see here. I was going to say Middle Earth Shadow of Mortar. That's more open world, yeah, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll think about it. If I have any more, I can add them next time. So. Yeah. But uh, was there any more uh, fan mail? Nope, that's it. Oh. So, yeah, if you do want to send us fan mail, uh, you can I mean, you can always obviously tweet us uh, at any of the Twitter accounts that, that Anthony mentions. Well, except for not EGM, that wouldn't make sense. But, <laughs> um, for my personal one, Anthony's personal one, uh, you can always DM me directly if you want something more private in terms of correspondence. Uh, the Morn Pro Twitter account, you can DM, I think. I'll turn it on if you can't. Uh, or tweet them or email us at gvgp at morningproject.com. That sounds good. Yep. Well, as we start to wrap up uh, episode 24 here, we're getting past that hour and 40-minute mark. Uh do you have any uh, exciting new uh, things on your agenda, gaming wise, coming up here? Any shows? Uh, any more traveling? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be quiet show wise for a little while, uh, until of course E three when the public can now join it. Oh, that's yes, I forgot to put so that on my notes. So it's gonna be packed. <laughs> and the problem, the problem, the problem with them, unless it gets counterbalanced by what's what's happening, the problem with them allowing in public now is that the last few years there's been less and less booths actually inside E3. Uh-huh. So if that trend continues, there's going to be less less booths, but m- much more people trying to get to them, uh. which sounds like just chaos. Yeah, what was it? If I read it right, was it 15,000 tickets and they went on sale or they're going on sale Monday for – Two hundred fifty bucks, but with discounts, you can get them down to like a hundred bucks or one hundred fifty. Yeah, bucks. I think I think I think one hundred fifty is like the early bird yeah. buying them. Uh huh. So. Hmm. Yeah, I mean the the thing. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you here, not just because I'm trying to save myself um, the headache of having people to wade through at E3. Um, if you're somebody who is like, I wanna before I die go to E3, this might be your best chance to go. But the, the show as it is right now, like, I, I don't know this is the time when you want to go. You know, like, don't feel like you have to have to have to go. Because right now, the show's a little bit sad when you go to it's it. It's not, and we say that, I know we've said this a million times, I'm assuming you say that from the perspective of if this was 1999 or 2000. Yeah. That would have been a different story. Oh, yeah. Yes. Totally different scenario. I yeah. mean, that's. Uh, that was back in the time when there was like the crazy like Asian halls downstairs and stuff when it was amazing. Um, uh, and that's back when you could still have have girls who were topless but <laughs> had stickers over their nipples and that was enough to let them be inside the hall. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like it's it's. I mean, because there's the two main areas and and there's enough booths missing now that those main areas have some really really obvious like open spaces no shit yeah so it's just it's just it's it's like i just fear that if people do go they're gonna think it's kind of sad unless unless the public going in there is gonna cause companies to maybe put a bit more effort oh i see or show up again and stuff I see. but you know we know we know again this year ea is not gonna be there again so wow they're still gonna do their stream thing not that not that i watch theirs but 
There's totally st- separate thing. Yeah, but yeah. they're doing it in Hollywood this time. So. Do you think uh, not to bring them up yet again? Do you think Nintendo's going to do anything there, or just do a direct again? I don't know. Like I, I feel like they would want to do something this year yeah. because of just all the Switch stuff coming. Right. I think it's just the last few years have been because of just how how sad of a position the the Wii U's been in. Right. But the problem with that doing that was that the 3DS had a lot of great games still coming, mm-hmm. and that kind of made it not feel as important. But at the same time, they are doing so much Nintendo Direct now that maybe they don't think they have to go. So, mm. Period. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, as we wrap uh, GVGP, hit us up on Twitter, just as uh, Molly stated earlier. Any questions, insight, what you'd like to see, more fan mail. And then as we start to wrap this out, uh, what do you think uh, next time? We usually record about every three to four weeks what do you think should be one of the main topics next time by the time we meet next time actually you know what switch will be probably out by our next recording yeah and i mean you know you're you're planning on getting one and i'm sure we're gonna be getting on the office so i'll yeah. just have some hands on for it yeah. so i would definitely say we should shoot for making sure we do one not too yeah i mean it comes out the third that... maybe a few days after or by the 10th yeah, that would be three. Yeah, I mean, because I'd love to do like every two weeks, but okay. I think pushing it a little bit over three weeks so that we get the switch out and have had gone hands on is probably the best thing to do. Unless, and then maybe by chance, let's say Horizon comes out right before like that, and we just can't contain ourselves. Uh, maybe we'll do a little less. Uh, uh, special. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be playing it though because like somebody else in the office is going to be reviewing it. Okay. So I don't even know if I'll have touched it at that point. Okay. Well, we'll see so. how it pans out. So uh, with that, on behalf of Molly and myself, Anthony, here as we close out Generic Video Game Podcast, episode 24, want to thank everyone once again, and we'll catch you sooner rather than later.